Welcome to the Explosion Network's exploration of Studio Ghibli. Each week we'll be discussing one of the films from within the library of the celebrated animation studio. This is Studio Ghibli's Animated Wonders. Hello, my name is Dylan Blight, and joining me to discuss today's animated wonder is Ashton Hobley. Hey Dylan, excited to be here to talk about nepotism. <laughs> How long has he sat on that one, I wonder? So long. At least, did you watch it today or yesterday? <laughs> yesterday. So you've sat on it for a full 24 hours, there you go. Uh, also here, Kira Martin. We, we're here to talk about Studio Ghibli movies, right? Like... Because what we watched isn't a Studio Ghibli movie. Wow. Coming out out with all guns firing. Uh, So the movie we're talking about today is called Tales from Earthsea. It was directed by Goro Miyazaki. It was written by Goro Miyazaki and Kiko Niwa, uh, based on the novel by Ursula K. Le Guin. Guin? Uh, it's got Hayao, Hayao Miyazaki's also credited for the concept, which I think just boils down to him having the idea of turning it into a movie. So uh, the main cast is Janishi Akada, Oi Tashimi, Banta Sugawara, Yuko Tanaka, Teruyuki Kagawa. Uh, came out in 2006. The synopsis for the film is, In a mythical land, a man and a young boy investigate a series of unusual occurrences. <laughs> So I don't know where to start because it sounds like all of us weren't a big fan of this movie. So pretty much if you're a huge fan of this movie listening to this, I'm sorry. I feel like we're going to have some not so hot takes, but also potentially hot takes. Ash, how do you feel about Tales from Mercy? I feel absolutely nothing because this is, (laughs) there was nothing to it. I mean, (laughs) it was just, you know how last week we were talking about How's Moving Castle and there's so many plot points and certain things that aren't explained and that kind of thing. It isn't that's what happened in this movie, except it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was a slog to sit through. Um, yeah, things just pop out randomly. It, it definitely you reading more into the movie, and obviously it being an adaptation of a series of books that he seemed to pick and choose bits and pieces from. Uh, you could see like certain well, things that would have been important to people who read the books. They would understand that kind of thing, uh, but it didn't acro- come across in the film at all. Well, the book is short stories. Like no. the book isn't. No, there was a b- book of short stories released around the time of the film, but then there were four oh, novels okay. before. So this all would right. be like if you did based did a Harry Potter movie based on four books, and you just picked and choose which bits you want. Mm. So yeah. yeah. And and then completely changed off as well, apparently. So Yeah. Yeah, I um I was bored and I started doodling on my phone, which is says something when you're trying to read subtitles at the same time. <laughs> which is to say which is to say I was so bored I stopped caring if I missed conversation as I was somewhat scrolling Twitter at the same time because I was just kind of bored. Um it seemed to go forever. Honestly, <laughs> like it, it's it's the the two hours just seemed like forever. Yes, and somebody else other than me could play him at runtime for once. <laughs> yes, for this movie, yeah. I am. Um, I think obviously the movie looks good. Like 
I think the animation's good. Mm. The design of lots of things are good. Like, it's at least up to standard. It's nothing... Th- there's, th- there's some shots have taken shortcuts and that kind of thing. Like, yeah, there's one like scene in particular that I think of where they're in the farm and obviously, um, what's their names? Sparrowhawk and Aaron are, like, in the background. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like they haven't animated their face fully. They've just got the eyes and the nose. You know, the, that anime, like, the... Mm-hmm. basic style in the background and i've never seen that before in a ghibli film i don't know well I, I at least i thought the animation was up to par like it wasn't terrible or like super like distracting or whatever like especially when the movie started i was kind of like I, I enjoyed the first 10 15 minutes especially like it, to the, however long it takes to get to the title Do card of tales from section, the Earth during the section where they did it and then they kind of just shoved that in the trash and just went, and we'll start the movie again here. Yeah. And we kind like, of reference this later, and this is kind of connected to everything, but... Oh, it is connected. It's a big part, obviously, because it's the, is the, it though? the guy killing his... Can yeah, you call it, it a big but, part if you never reference it ever again? Uh, they do reference it several times throughout the movie, but he literally talks about, about how he dragons? killed his father. I was thinking about oh, the dragons. The, <laughs> oh, okay. The dragons, yeah. I don't know. No, they don't come back to dragons. I, I meant like him killing his father and the king. That section I enjoyed. Like, all of that I was enjoying... General setup and all of it seemed animated well and whatever else. But by the time I got to the end of the movie, I was just like, it's really weird that they actually spend the majority of this movie in two very boring locations. Like the majority of the movie takes place at a farm and then a really dark, danky castle that doesn't look exciting at all because it just looks boring and dark and danky, which is really odd to spend the majority of the time there when the movie starts with such fantastical elements as ship riding stormy waves, dragons fighting above, one falls to the ground. Like all these things, you're like, oh, damn, here we go. And then it goes to this big, massive, sprawling city, kingdom. And then where's the majority of the movie set? A boring farm. This is not Lord of the Rings. This is Lord of the Boredom. Um, Also, the main character sucks, and I hated him, and I didn't (laughs) care for him at all. So that obviously doesn't help. Me His like whole the movie. plot kind of made no sense. <laughs> no. I was very confused. Um, I will say, guys, I found a way to improve this movie. Mm-hmm. Like tenfold. After watching this, I did, was doing some research because I was like, how how could this movie be allowed to be a Studio Ghibli movie? How did this what, happen? What happened? What happened? So I was reading that. And then so it caught my attention when I was reading the cast list for the English dub that um, freaking Sparrowhawk is played by Timothy Dalton. And mm-hmm. Cobb is played by Willem Dafoe. And mm-hmm. I was like, man, Willem Dafoe? All right. I went back and watched the last 15 minutes of this movie in the English dub. Holy shit, Willem Dafoe is just off his rocker. Like, he is just, <laughs> like, going nuts. Full with like just, And it is hilarious. It is so funny just to listen to his voice acting that I was like, that's given me a little bit better feeling about this movie now, and I kind of wish I'd watched the whole thing in the dub because just for Willem Dafoe and Timothy Dalton the whole time would have been really fun to watch. But other than that, it was still the same crap. <laughs> 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 so what you're saying is you didn't like the movie? I, I didn't. I didn't. No, it was just there, there was a lot of potential and interest and kind of this, you know, this Sparrow Hawk character that for some reason I want to continually call Sparrow Crow. Obviously, he really, you know, gave me a good impression. Um, I wanted he to, him to be something more, to develop him. 
Um, I wanted them to develop the girl a little bit more and to kind of give her some more instead of just this random thing that happens to her and is revealed about her at the end. Um, I just, it's just a whole hodgepodge of just randomness that is just, you're just like, okay, sure. Like the, this subplot or this storyline about him running away from his what he thinks is his dark self, but really it's the light self of him and it's the good of good of him <laughs> um, that you're like, well, why is this depicted as a bad thing the entire time? Is it because we're seeing it from his point of view? Um, I will say there was some, there was some really nice sceneries where they had like, it looked like the scenery or the background was more of like a water painting, like a watercolor, watercolor. The part painting. where she sings the song in the background's there, that all looked quite good. I thought. Mm. Yeah, it was like cool. That looks cool. And you're animating in it, cool. Um, it was just, yeah, it really was a slog. Like it was just, you were just, yeah, okay, we, sure. It was two yeah. hours going on ten. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, so I don't really know how much we'll end up discussing about the story here because once you point out some key features, you end up spending a lot of time thinking about the behind, behind the scenes of this movie because there are, there are just lots of weird things. But I think the, the last key thing I'll say that was the most obvious when watching this movie to point out as a like completely antithetical Ghibli-type thing is the villain. Usually, all of Studio Ghibli's movies and... You know, especially all of the Miyazaki ones, which have the more typical villain character in them, aren't actually typical villains. All of his villains are layered to a point where shades eventually, of gray. The, yeah, the, the shades of gray, and and all of the hero characters aren't your typical hero characters, and no one ever fits their usual it's role. It's never black and white. Yeah, no, this movie is. Villain wants to take over the world. Hero has to stop them. Bored. Like, and and that's the first time that's happened in any of these movies. You've never had a typical villain like we get in this before, where there's literally nothing else to them other than the fact that they're trying to open a giant portal to connect the living and dead world and live forever. And uh, I was just like, what the fuck am I playing? Elder Scrolls Morrowind over here? Get the fuck out (laughs) of my life. Like, (laughs) it's a. It's it's amusing, especially when you read kind of the background information about what happened in behind the scenes of this movie. You kind of get the feeling that Miyazaki just did not care. By the time that he got, like, well, the the freaking the actual famous one, the actual important hey, one, not his hey son. Heyo, yes, not his son. He had nothing to do with this um, after his son got the because, directing job. Like reading it is that Heyo had previously tried to get the rights for this movie. But this was prior to Studio Ghibli getting any kind of big kind of acclaim, and, bef- and the author didn't know anything about the anime or Japanese style. The author turned them down. After a couple of movies came back, the author went back to Ghibli and was like, "Hey, do you still want to do this?" And I get the feeling Miyazaki's was like, "Well, you didn't accept my offer the first time. Doesn't mean I'm going to give you my attention the second time." No, no. The, uh, the opposite. No, he, the opposite. Yeah. So the, really? apparently it's. Yeah, apparently it's he said yes because uh, the author watched Spirit of the Way like that. Said, "Okay, I'll let these people make it." So they get permission. Uh, Hayao Miyazaki's on board to create it. However, he couldn't at the time that they wanted to start work on it because he was working on last week's film, How's Moving Castle. So then, one of the production heads at Studio Ghibli looking to get this movie 
on the ground moving, uh, you know, get it going, uh, goes and asks Goro Miyazaki, Hayao's son, and says, hey, would you like to direct this movie? You've been doing a good job uh, helping create the Studio Ghibli Museum, yeah. uh, storyboarding some other things. Like, he's he's been doing some slight behind-the-scenes work, but he's never done anything in the movie world at all uh, of them being his father's son type scenario. Um, son's, whatever the saying is. Um, so then the, he gets the movie. Apparently, Hayao Miyazaki goes, no, son, <laughs> don't do that. That's stupid. You don't have the experience to take on this role. Sorry, and Goro says, yeah, sensible. Goro says, fuck you, dad. Well, I don't know. What it, <laughs> more, it sounds like he was like, well, too bad. I got offered it. It's You're not in charge of the whole company, even though you're the most famous, you know, like you, you don't get to make every decision. So I got told I can do this. This is what I'm doing. So apparently Hayao Miyazaki doesn't talk to his son for the, in the entire production period of this movie, which seems like it Shows. could have been years. <laughs> like a very long time. Uh, and in a lot of ways, I feel like... So Goro- when, I, when I made that joke at the start of the film about neptism, I mean, it's kind of accurate, but kind of not. Well... In a lot of ways, when you find out the behind-the-scenes information, it like makes several scenes and themes and elements of this movie stand out a little bit differently. And including the start of the movie and our main character, the film is about a kid who literally randomly kills his own father and for then no takes reason off. <laughs> and is never explained. Never explained yeah. why he did it. Never. Which, when you find out that Goro was, you know, having this fight with his father at the time trying to prove himself <laughs> all these sorts of things it, it kind of takes on a whole different thing i think you know you yes. can't you kind of start thinking about the potential sub elements of this movie quite differently about what was going on there but ultimately i think this movie is the product of unexperienced person in charge of a massive animated production based on a huge graph, uh, huge novel series of s- several books, big fantasy property, and you've got someone who wrote the script and directed it who has not worked on any feature before or, and had limited he, experience working in animation in general. He was a landscaper. Yeah, well, that's where he started, <laughs> uh, landscaping and whatever, uh, something else, which, you know... It, I'm sure those skills kind of translate in some fashion to elements of the animation progress, but I like mean, it, the creative you to, side. You have to draw stuff to like yeah. get your, <laughs> your ideas for your landscapes. Yeah. But like the, the the creative side of this movie and bit. his creative experience was completely nada. And yep. it really does. It's, it's really weird that he got offered this i feel and, and then i feel like him taking it was him being like i'll prove myself to my father but he was so dead set on just trying to make something to prove he to prove to his father he can be like him that in a lot of ways he tries to create a movie that he thinks feels like a Hayao miyazaki film but it's just devoid of anything that makes a miyazaki film like it's devoid of any heart anything to say like this movie has nothing to say at all about anything and that's a big thing that we've picked up on and talked about several times on this show every Miyazaki film has like all these themes that we're picking up on and even themes we're potentially missing and whatever else and you know that's something that Miyazaki talks about in real life how whenever he makes a film he wants it to be 
you know, he's he's trying to tell you something and like put himself into that in, in, in some form or another and like ha- have something to say about the world. Uh, and this film's just like the most devoid of life, color. <laughs> it's just not fun. It's not exciting. It's not thrilling. It's not funny. It's not fucking anything. It's in in a lot of ways. I feel like, and I I, I don't know. I haven't updated my list as of recording, and we're not talk, we're not doing our updating our list on this episode. But in a lot of ways, I feel like this may just be the worst. On my, I might put this below Ocean Waves, and Listen. because Ocean Waves, although I feel like was bad, I feel like even that had better characters, and those characters were shit. And at least was somewhat. It was directed better. I can. I definitely would say it was directed better. Oh, definitely, hundred percent. It was better directed. It had. It, it did know what it was trying to say. Even if I feel like the characters themselves were just shit in design, but at least I feel like the person in charge of it liked those characters and knew and understood the story they were trying to tell. Whereas this just feels like the most hodgepodge thing ever. It's 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 an odd. It's an odd odd movie. Like it, it, I feel like it'd be a weirder case if he was like, "Oh, Hayao Miyazaki let his son direct this just because his son." But that's not the case at all. It's no. literally he didn't want him to do it because he knew he wasn't didn't have the experience for it. That and it he's been so working weird. all these years to get this film, <laughs> the film rights, so he can do it, and then his son comes in and sweeps it out from under him because he's working on yeah. something at the moment. Crazy why Studio Ghibli wouldn't just wait. It's it's really is odd, and it's 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 weird because this this is in like Studio Ghibli Prime, you know they got a movie coming out every They're year. They're coming or two. off like two Oscar nominations. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm, and it's mm-hmm. it's so funny because we can look ahead now, and obviously we're at this point now in Studio Ghibli's life where they haven't released a film for six six seven years, whatever it is. You know they they hit a standstill, and it's it's so funny to see how different the company is now and how they've had to adjust and reevaluate things and whatever else when at this point they're like no we gotta we gotta keep going we gotta gotta fucking make things you know Let, let's keep working on let's keep prodding on over here do do some stuff um and i you know not to skip ahead too much because we'll talk about it in a couple weeks times but in case you're worried and scared about the relationship between father and son here it is mended in real life after this and the two of them do end up working on goro's next film and goro directs uh from up on poppy hill which was he worked with on with his father who helped write the script for that movie. So they, yes. they like in, they do mend and apparently, you know, whatever lessons learned, but this film is a lesson, <laughs> you know, like that's the, the only thing I can take away from this film is that it's a lesson in what not to do. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, the secret is don't piss off how you have Miyazaki. I mean, I mean, he's not, he had, I'm sure he didn't work on every single one of those Studio Ghibli films, but I'm sure his fingerprints oh, were all over them, no. like helping and the, well, uh, even all the similar. Uh, Asayo, the all the other ones, like the person who directs the second most, Asayo uh, Takahata. Uh, you know, he does the more weirder ones, yeah. <laughs> whatever the more serious ones, like Grave of Fireflies and whatever else. You know, he they feel completely different to Miyazaki films, but they feel like Studio Ghibli films still. You know, like I definitely feel there's a certain style, magic, and overall quality, and at least a message or something to say, and a real presence in this type of story they're trying to tell that is completely missing from this. Complete lack of experience. Uh, yeah, it's weird. Does anyone, uh, Ash, do you have any other things that you actually like about the movie, or even things you don't like that you'd particularly like to call out? I don't know. 
uh, are we going to do the usual stuff or? <laughs> just... uh, if you've got a theme that you can spot, we can move into that. Yeah, sure. The theme? No, I don't have any themes. Uh, uh, we'll move the characters in uh, a moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it just happens. I mean, I'm sure there was meant to. <laughs> I'm sure there was meant to be more meaning behind the two Arons. Like the good and the e bad, like the one who's just was been living in, in the living in fear, and the one who's the light who's can't get back to make himself whole again. There was something there, not really explained or explored. Um, there was barely any hints at all that uh, Teru or whatever her name is was going to turn into a dragon at the end of the film. Um, <laughs> no, they mentioned it at the start. They mentioned dragons at the start, they, so you have yeah. to kind of. But you know, got no somehow. impression that she was a dragon at all. No, like, other than her being an orphan. <laughs> all orphans are dragons. <laughs> but you know, but even though the 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 woman I can't remember her name Tamaru or whatever, um, yeah, she tried to. She explained that no, she got left and abused by her parents and left on the side of the road burnt. Which is hey. like, ah, <laughs> oh, she was burnt because she's a dragon. She's a dragon and dragons. Also, the most interesting way I've seen a dragon burn somebody before, where the the flames just kind of appeared on him. They never actually looked like they were coming out of the dragon's mouth or anything. It was like... let me be, I'll be honest. I didn't realize uh, Cobb was a male until I read the Wikipedia page after. So it's, it's because it was a male pretending to be a female, and they point that out in the movie. Oh, the guards what? literally run away when they, she starts losing her magic powers, and then they're like, "Oh wait, it's a dude." Bye. Which is weird, but that's what happens. Okay. And well, also, I, I guess, that. <laughs> I guess <laughs> when you have uh, William Defoe just voicing the entire thing in the dub version, maybe they purposely just in the dub version just have have Cobb be a male the entire time, whereas yeah, in this version obvious, it was yeah. like. She's this, she's that, she's this, she's this, you know, especially the the goon head uh head of a man or whatever, constantly referring to Cobb as she, 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 that you know, all this sort of stuff. And then it's oh shit, it's, it's an old dude. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> yeah, so, it also never really explained about uh the freaking hawk man crow beast and his relationship Sparrow to hawk. Cobb, thank you, Sparrowhawk. His relationship to Cobb, or really what had went down between them in the past, or like they had a massive fight anything. or something, and again, this Cobb is what happens and... when you try and adapt four novels and a bunch of story stories and it's throw like in your own the Hobbit, your own and the Lord of the Rings trilogy, in, yeah, in one movie. See, I thought he I... was going to be somewhat how related to Teru because they both have like scars on their faces that have some sort of connection. No, no, no. Had, and just, he gives like, her that look at one point. I'm like, oh, it's his daughter. That's a that seems like the kind of plot point that this kind of movie would have. Also, the archmage, but he just wanders around by himself and is completely alone and is just a complete loner in the world. Well, no, he's investigating. No, but he's the archmage. Like, what? He's investigating. He's investigating. Pay attention. <laughs> uh, he's so uh, powerful. Uh, he don't need security. This- also, this movie does not have a happy ending because the kid is going back to his land where he's to probably going to get executed yeah. or hung because he killed his own father who was the king. So... No, nah, he's king now, so... It's what okay, privilege. though, because we all know... Regicide is cool in the country. 
<laughs> we all know though that the kid has a very good explanation for why he killed his father. Like he's got some kind of external yeah, force or something yeah. mind controlling him. Shadow made or me do it. Something that had lied to him or a shadow that made him do I, it or something like that. I he has they, a reason to explain. I right? think they try and imply that all the weird stuff happening in the world, including him having a just randomly deciding to kill his father was caused by the fact Cobb was opening a portal between the living and the dead. Was it though? For listeners who have got silence shortened on the podcast app, there was a massive pause right before he said. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, Ash. What was your favorite character and or moment? Because it sounds like you're really Listen. a big old fan of Star like, Hunty Man. I like, yeah, I like Sparrowhawk. I thought he was cool. He was looking out for the young kid, like in the market, trying to make sure he's. Wasn't being scammed. I mean, the story would have been more interesting if you did get scammed, I guess, maybe. Get scammed? <laughs> scammed. And um, I guess my favorite part was like the first first five minutes, man. The dragon fight at the start. I'm like, damn, <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be good. I'm really looking forward to see where this goes. Like dragons, everything. Never see mm. a dragon again until like the last five minutes of film. Bullshit. It's okay. They're gonna explain why this, ran- why this random sorcerer forgot the true words of uh, of magic. And How stuff. do you like- not explain why people's names are important in this world? That seems like an important point. Sorry, beat to Karen- bring up. <laughs> do you have a favorite moment or character from this one, Karen? I think, like, I guess uh, Crow King Hawk, Sparrow? Beast Man, Carry. You know, Sparrow Man Hawk. Um, he he was probably the most promising of the characters, and I think the only piece of actual character moment that I was like, oh, that's an interesting character, was where the slavers found him in the market, but he turned around and he had a different face, and he turned back around to the trader, and the trader's like, like the trader is visibly confused about what happened to his face in that situation. Um, I'm like, even though, you know what, I've just explained it, and even now I've talked myself out of thinking that was a good character moment, so... Um, <laughs> Sparrowhawk, man. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I have a. <laughs> it's just, like, I feel like I feel like we're. This is worse than us outright just hating on a movie. Like this is like we're just so indifferent to this movie and how poor it is in quality that, like, you know. Even just looking at our show notes where, you know, Dylan hasn't actually been able to write themes for this movie because... The only one. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's, he's, like, it's just, yeah, it's just, we're so blah about this movie. It's such a bland kind of thing that we have kind of uh, took in over two hours that it, it's just disappointing a little bit when it comes to Studio Ghibli. I don't even think we can call this an animated wonder. Can we change the name of the show for this episode? No, I don't think so. It's a wonder how it was made by Stuart Ghibli. Boom. There you go. Fixed it. I I think my favorite scene was the singing because I thought that was like a cool moment, I guess, and looked beautiful, landscapes and whatever. If I had to pick something, I guess that. And I I would actually pick Theru, 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 whatever her name was. However you say her name. One of those two was correct. One of those Louis, two was definitely correct. Yeah, Louis Thoreau. Louis Thoreau. Uh, Louis Thoreau was my favorite 
character in this, I would say, because I feel like the, there's a lot of story there that I just don't get. But I like to pretend... <laughs> Like, like the story's there. Like it's there somewhere. Yeah. I just don't. I just don't get it. I think presented a lovely onion that I could dive into in a different movie, or you know, go read the books. I guess and find out more. Maybe I don't know. Anyway, yeah, it's, it's just disappointing. I feel like this is just a weird movie. It's just a really weird movie. I don't. I don't know. Anyway, let's let's do it. So that is. Uh, an animated movie number 15 uh, <laughs> Tales from Earthsea <laughs> you can let us know what you thought of the film on Twitter uh, our, you can find all the Twitters by heading to explosionnetwork.com slash Twitter next week's film is Ponyo so make sure to watch that movie before it releases and let me tell you that one's going to be a lot better because I've seen that one and Dylan likes Ponyo boy boy <laughs> <laughs>